The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan on News Talk. Kate in Lucan in County Dublin became the latest winner, the sixth winner in a row when she answered the call a little bit earlier. So she is going to go travelling with her winnings. You could be the very next Kate. We're going to reload the cash machine after five o'clock here on the Hard Shoulder. I'll let you know how much is up for grabs and how you can enter the competition. You probably suspect if you win it, you won't be going travelling. You will be using the money to pay your electricity bills this winter. That is the issue that is on the forefront of everybody's mind. Why? Well, because energy prices have gone through the roof. And there's lots of different reasons. But one of the reasons in Europe is because there's this link between gas and electricity prices and gas prices have gone through the roof and they've gone through the roof because of the war in Ukraine and Nord Stream 2 being shut down and Nord Stream 2 is shut down because Vladimir Putin is the man who has his finger on the faucet tap. And he is a man who, according to my next guest, has gamed Europe and the European Union in particular. Declan Ganley, businessman and entrepreneur. Declan, you're very welcome to the show. Why has the Kremlin and Putin gamed the Europeans? They've gamed the Europeans because they created a massive overdependence um, on the part of uh, Western Europe in particular on uh, imported Russian gas. And this is something that goes way back to the 1990s. Indeed, I was doing business in the Baltic states, the newly independent Baltic states at the time. And it was something that was discussed when, when Nord, what became Nord Stream was first being talked about. There was real concern in the Baltics uh, and in Poland that the Kremlin was seeking to bypass Eastern Europe uh, and split it from Western Europe, uh, creating an energy dependency uh, in Western Europe um, that would allow uh, Russia more strategic uh, depth, if you like, and space in Eastern Europe. And in two, uh, finally, those efforts in, in, that started in the 1990s culminated in 2005 in then-German Chancellor Gerhard Schroeder, um, a few days before the election, which he realized he was going to lose, meeting Putin 10 days before he lost the election, um, uh, that led to the signing of a deal um, for Nord Stream 1 in September, on September the 8th of 2005 mm. that cut out the Baltics and Eastern Europe and sent a pipeline direct to Germany. And that then is what led to where we are today, this massive overdependence on Russian gas. That was compounded by Angela Merkel in 2015 when she doubled down and added Nord Stream 2. Did anybody heed the warnings that were being issued at the time? No. And and uh, this was something that, I mean, it wasn't like there was any lack of them. Um, uh, I, I remember Anna um, Kuchenbecker at the European Council of Foreign Relations, she called it a the baby of Putin and Schroeder's special friendship. Um, lots of us uh, over the years have talked about the risk of this overdependence on Russian gas. That's not to say that we shouldn't have had Russian gas, we should, but we should have also uh, made sure that we were capable of being energy independent, not bet the farm on Russian gas and put ourselves into this um, real vulnerability where we have the Irish Taoiseach talking about the war, um, a war that, you know, over in Ukraine that is going to cause a a massive uptick in, in Irish energy costs. And of course, the same applies right across Europe. What is the way we go about curing ourselves of that vulnerability? Well, the, I mean, first of all, understanding how it came about. Um, I, I remember even back in the days of the Soviet Union when people talked about the fact that the Soviets would never cut off gas or the oil pipelines. The oil pipelines at the time terminated in, 
in Vintzbills in what is now Latvia, and uh, the gas pipelines came across Ukraine. And, um, and they built these pipelines to cut you, these new pipelines, Nord Stream, to cut Ukraine out of the equation, obviously, because this was part of a plan to invade and, and take Ukraine back uh, under, under the Russian yoke. Um, and we fell for it and we played to it. And we need to listen to our, our Central and Eastern European uh, partners, members of the European Union, when they tell us in Western Europe, you know, that we need to to deal much, much more carefully with the Kremlin. We need to stop shutting down nuclear power in uh, in continental Europe. The the German uh, continuation of the plan to shut down nuclear power is foolish. Mm. We need to develop nuclear power in places like Ireland. There are small, um, uh, compact uh, nuclear uh, power generating cap- uh, facilities that are now available. They're very, very massively environmentally friendly. They're green. They're inexpensive. Yes, they take some time to build, but we need to put those in. We need to drill for gas. We need more of our own gas. Uh, there's gas off our own coasts that uh, 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 that, that are being slow uh, blocks that are being slow rolled at the moment. Same applies in places like Norway and elsewhere across Europe. We need to develop our own gas. Gas is going to be part of our energy future for a very long time, probably the next hundred years or so. We need to grow up and realize that, and we need to slowly. Uh, well, it's now not going to be slow. It's mm. going to be very fixed. It's going to be cold turkey on Russian gas, but we can't go back there uh, for any kind of serious dependency in the near, in, in the okay. near future. Um, finally, I'll say we need to stop doing things like demolishing uh, power plants, like as we did with two peat powered power plants in Ireland. Um, that's that's pretty stupid. We need to stop demolishing the power generation capacity that we already have. All right. Well, listen, as we tie ourselves in knots and as listeners tie themselves in knots, uh, 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 even contemplating the idea of uh, refiring peat power plants and building nuclear power plants in the short term, the European Union has a plan or they're discussing a plan by all accounts. And uh, here to explain exactly what that plan is, uh, Lorcan Allen is the business editor with the Business Post. Uh, Lorcan, I know you've been writing about this, you in particular, uh, in the paper. So what is on the table? What are they considering European Commission level? They've looked at a number of options, Karen. I suppose what the EU is trying to do is coordinate the response right across Europe because you have different governments taking different approaches to the energy security and the price. Uh, so the European Union issued a draft paper. Well, they haven't issued it. We, um, it's been issued to energy ministers ahead of a meeting this week. And there's, I suppose, three options that the EU is looking at. The first thing is about how to control the price. So the price of electricity in Europe is set by gas. And gas, as we know, the price of it has gone uh, extremely high and volatile over the last year since the, the invasion began. Um, but if you take a wind farm in the west of Ireland or Money Point, uh, Money Point Power Station down in County Clare, which is coal fired, the cost of producing electricity from those generation assets is actually much lower than the price of gas today. A renewable energy in Ireland is typically priced at about 70 euros per megawatt hour. The gas price is at about 400 euros per megawatt hour. So there's a huge variability oh, there. Wow. Yeah. So what the European Union is saying is this inframarginal producers, those are known as um, wind farms, nuclear reactors and coal fire power plants. So it's proposing that governments take the excess revenue that those companies make from selling their profits into wholesale markets. Um, so that's the difference between the 400 euro per megawatt hour and the, their cost of production, shall we say. Then they're telling governments 
that's one side of it on the price. Then they're to use that money that they take from uh, from energy companies yeah. uh, and use that to incentivize consumers and businesses to reduce electricity consumption. Uh, for businesses, uh, they're saying that businesses need to put in a tender and say exactly how much it would cost them to reduce consumption of electricity, particularly around the peak times of consumption between five o'clock in the evening and seven, what that would mean for the business. And then they would compensate them. And they're also proposing that governments design a sort of voucher system to reward consumers for also taking measures in their own home to reduce electricity consumption. Um, Now, what's interesting about these proposals is that they would supersede the so-called windfall tax that we've heard a lot about that the Irish government is uh, is looking at at the minute. Yeah. Uh, the EU is saying that this is the way to go. We think it's the best option. Um, and, and they want European governments to, I suppose, coordinate in a, in, a, in a joined up manner. OK, so these energy companies making an absolute ton of money off their electricity because it's linked to the gas price. They say, take some of that money from those companies and then use it to incentivize people to make the right energy decisions. Essentially, put a bit of money back in their pockets. I mean, it sounds very simple. It strikes me as unbelievably complicated to coordinate that. But a voucher system to individual citizens, all God knows how many hundreds of millions across the European Union. It's extremely complicated, Karen. And like electricity markets are not simple things. I mean, uh, there are companies out there making a lot of profits from uh, high energy prices, but then a lot of those are companies that generate their own electricity. But companies that only trade electricity are really probably struggling. You've seen a lot of businesses in the UK go out of business uh, because they were um, they were traders of electricity. They didn't actually ma- manufacture their own electricity or produce it. Um, so I suppose what the EU is trying to do is is get that coordination. Interestingly, what they're saying, the voucher system that you would incentivize consumers would be to invest, to use the vouchers for energy efficiency things in their home, be it retrofitting appliances that are less uh, energy consumption. That will be what, what what they want to see people. Because um, I was at an event last night. Bernard Looney, who's the he's an Irishman, he's the CEO of BP, one of the largest oil and gas companies in the world. He was asked at the event, "What's his view on this current crisis?" And he says, "This is not a one winter show. Mm. We're looking at multi year." very high energy prices in Europe given where he's and he has a better visibility in the market Gosh, than anybody right. else. Right, well that's kind of frightening to hear and I think a lot of people would be terrified at the thought that this is a kind of a medium term thing and possibly longer. I would wager, Lorcan, though lots of those ministers, those uh, uh, energy ministers from across the European Union are going to go to this meeting and they're all going to say a ver- different version of the same thing which is, yeah, that's great, let's take all that money from those companies but we're not mad about this voucher system we just want to give the money let's just give cash cold hard cash straight into people's pockets to subsidise their electricity bills Yeah and I think a lot of the ministers will have seen what happened during Covid as well and the way they were able to get cash directly supports to businesses and and consumers very quickly at a time of crisis. We're almost back at a COVID setting again here where it's speed is better than perfection and just get, uh, you know, supports to businesses. I mean, we're seeing already the the sort of bills that are coming in for businesses. Um, There was a lot of talk last week about the the companies putting up the energy prices. That's only the start of it. Uh, If you look at wholesale energy markets, there's probably more spikes in consumer bills to come yet. Lorcan, listen, thanks a million for talking us through that. Lorcan Adams, the business editor with the Business uh, Post. Someone has texted in. I'm wondering when it comes to electricity prices, why we're being told green energy is sourced from 100% renewable sources. But there's very little difference in unit prices. I didn't think the war in Ukraine was affecting our wind energy. I think uh, Lorcan just explained exactly uh, why it's the coupling uh, of electricity prices with gas prices. Somebody else says, uh, with regards to Declan Ganley's argument, in favour of nuclear power, Kieran, I agree with Declan when he talks about the way we've been screwed over by Putin. But to 
say we need to bring in nuclear power to Ireland, go away. The Irish public have absolutely no interest in that. I hate to break it to the Irish public. We're using nuclear power. We've got an interconnector with the UK. So we have nuclear power running through our electrical veins in this country. And what's more, we've signed a deal to get loads and loads of nuclear power from France. So it's, you know, it's kind of an Irish solution to an Irish problem. We're opposed to nuclear power generation, but we're all in favour of nuclear power. Anyway, 53106, the text number. Uh, Plenty still to come on the hard shoulder today, including the return of spider mating season. The Hard Shoulder with Kieran Cuddy with Nissan. Weekdays from 4 on News Talk.